And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 64 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on Monday, February 2nd, 2015. Well, it's weird weather, folks. Here in the U.S., our little groundhog has spoken, and it's six more weeks of winter. That's right, the snow now blanketing Chicago and the East Coast is going to stick around for a while. And oh yeah, there was a game this weekend. There will be no joy in Mudville or Seattle this day, for mighty Pete Carroll has struck out. The Patriots took all the air out of the Seahawks fans, deflating their hopes for that repeat title. And now Tom Brady can officially become the old man who can yell, Get off my lawn! Meanwhile, I was answering emails to all my little nieces about who Missy Elliott was, and thus I have now become the old man who can yell, Get off my lawn. But here you are on our lawn, and Joe and I are happy you're here. What was your favorite moment from the Super Bowl? Leave us a review on iTunes, won't you? Did you like the flying pigs from Doritos, or the puppies from Budweiser, or the invisible Mindy Kaling? Or, oh yeah, that depressing kid who got killed before he could get cooties from girls? Just go to iTunes and let us know what you think about our show and all the news or just anything on your mind. Okay, let's get this awesome little show underway. And of course, I'm happy to introduce my partner, my colleague, my good, good friend, the content marketing guy I'd always run in beast mode from the one-yard line, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, Joe? <laughs> I am just fine. Did you enjoy the Super Bowl last night? I did. I, it was a good – I mean, the first quarter was over so fast, I thought, oh, this is not going to be a very good game. But then it turned into a fantastic game. It did. Game. And, you know, it's interesting. This is episode 64 for us, and you just happened to say 64. That's the last time the Browns won a championship game. Any any well, then, team in Cleveland. That? Yeah, any team in Cleveland <laughs> won a championship. So, you know, we're always waiting for next year. But it was nice. Yeah. It was actually nice to watch a good game. And you're right. Wow. I could not believe the call. And it's it's sad I, that know, it ended up on a on like why do you not run that guy two more times from where they are right so it's just it's unbelievable that they didn't do it I mean but you know he's a gambler and he gambled once at the end of the first half and it paid off and he gambled and it didn't pay how off, did so. Tom Brady though get up I don't know did you see the MVP speech when he's up on the stage and he's thanking everybody Tom no Brady. I didn't at that point at that point my wife said you have. You have bogarted the te- television <laughs> you took all day. You, time. Will, you will no longer be allowed to watch television. Your enjoyment room, time has ended. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. No, exactly. He's, he's up there on stage and he's he's accepting his MVP award, and I can't. So he got a he got a truck out of it. He got a brand. I think it was a Chevy Colorado. Truck. <laughs> because he needs he needs a truck needs so a truck. badly. Yeah. Well, you know, the, him and Giselle the say that you know? you're sexier if you have a truck. So of course, Tom Brady yes. needs a truck. Uh, With Giselle Bunchen on the hood, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. he should have given that truck to that Butler kid who made the interception, the rookie. He, you know, oh. wouldn't that have been a nice? That would have been just nice. Moves. That would have been You great. know what? I will accept the MVP. But you know what? These keys, they're going to to our rookie Butler who made that interception. That just would have been the nice thing to do. He, that would have been really cool, and that publicist. kid is. So, I mean, that I, I'm 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 happy. I'm so happy. You know, look, I don't like the Patriots, you know, but uh, I'm happy for that kid because I've seen all the interviews with him, and he's just such an earnest sort of like, yeah, I'm just trying to do my best. Yep. And oh, it's just it was that was well, great and, and to the play, yeah, the two plays before day. whatever he got beat on that lucky catch that Curse made. Yeah, that was oh, him. Exactly. So up. Oh. 
Yeah, that was good. Did you see Tom Brady's face when he, it was like, and the announcers are going, is this going to happen every single Super Bowl where somebody just makes this ridiculously oh, stupid the catch? They were talking about the helmet. Of course, <laughs> right, they went right exactly. to archives. Show the helmet catch. Yeah. Show the helmet catch. Oh, with David oh, Tyree. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. So do, do we have All any... Right. Uh, do we have any news to talk about we have this a, episode? We have a cornucopia oh, of news, a cornucopia abundance that is of news fabulous. Yes, this week. Um, we have a lot of news, and the first uh, article comes to us uh, courtesy of a friend of the show and friend of the family, Jeff Roars from Salesforce.com, who wrote an interesting blog post just hours after the Super Bowl was over called Super Bowl 49 and the Death of Engagement. Um, And he starts off the blog by saying it's two hours on from the New England Patriots victory over the Seattle Seahawks. And he says, I'm tired. My exhaustion has nothing to do with the game, although he laments, like you, Joe, his Cleveland Browns. And he talks about the real lack of action or the lack of strategy, as he puts it, calls to action in any of the Super Bowl ads and then goes through this very thorough analysis that he's done for the last few years, quite frankly, and he counts the number of commercials. He provides analysis on how many of them had hashtags and uh, links to URLs and how many of them actually had even calls to action and compares it over the last few years and does a complete analysis. It's a really wonderful post. What did you think? First of all, yeah, hats off to Jeff because it's a fantastic post. The, the thing, I, I read this a couple times, Robert, and the one thing that kept going through my head was we still have such a long way to go. And from a silo standpoint, because obviously the people that are creating the agencies that are working with the creatives at these different companies that are buying these four point five million dollar ads are not talking to the social people are not talking to the search people. They're not right. talking to the content people, because if they were, they'd be talking about how do we leverage this to build an audience so that we're getting maximizing our investment. I don't think yeah. that's happening at all. And that's what Jeff is really you know, good for him. He's really talking about the fact that nobody's looking to build a long-term audience through this. They're just hoping to make an impact in the splash or win an award. I mean, I mean, it's, it, it just blows it's my just, mind. Yeah, yeah. It still feels a little bit like what we're doing. You know, like what they did back in the early days of television, where they just, quite frankly, turned the TV cameras around and filmed radio shows. Right? It still feels a little bit like Super Bowl commercials are turning the cameras around, filming radio shows where they're quite literally just taking TV ads and adding a little bit of frosting that they call hashtags or social engagement or something to they don't there's no real integration here of the of the larger things and opportunities you know and this gets to what I'll rant about later in the show but you know it, it what what the opportunities there for integration and some of the really interesting things that could happen just aren't happening it's 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 it it is fascinating to see how many of them even lack a simple call to action, like just go do something. Right? Well, there's there were two that stood out to me. I don't know about, and, you're, and I know you're going to rant about one uh, when we do rants and raves. But the the one was the BMW ad because yep. I, you know, I like Jeff, am a complete nerd, and I went and I sent an email to the email address where it was the Katie and Brian Gubble BMW right. ad, and I sent, and so it takes you, it sends you a nice little email back. I don't, did you go do it? Did you happen to do well, it? Well, and well, here's the the funny ironic thing is I've already done it because 
I'm actually, I have a BMW and it's my lease is up. And so I'm actually looking at the i3 oh. as my replacement car. So I've been actually researching the i3 for quite a bit. And I've actually, I had seen that ad before because it's been on the front page of their website for some time. And, and I actually did send an email and I got the thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, at so, least, yes, I yeah, did so if you basically, they had that old email address that, uh, Katie Couric and Brian Cumber were talking about on the Today Show in 1994, right. was it? Yep. And so yep. if you sent an email to that, you got a, you got the video, you got the commercial, or you didn't get a commercial, you got a little bit of extra where they were talking about right. these people that did this, they should get something, and you get you can enter yourself into a contest. So at least, right. and by the way, and then they can, they're asking you, would you like more information from BMW? So thank God they did something around that. So that was the one. And the second one was, I think it was the Wix.com one. Was it the Jeff uh, Jeff Bridges? Well, they had a couple, but the Jeff Bridges one was classically funny. The Jeff Bridges. I mean, well, really, and then really it, it actually took you to a website. Where you, yeah. So you could at least check out the website and sign yeah. up for the music and get something. But most everything else didn't have any association with building an audience or having a conversation. As, you know, I, I mean, I was following, you know, that's what Jeff says, what, 61%. Uh, at least that was that's what the the poll said of people watching the Super Bowl were going to have a smartphone in their hand checking it while that you know I was you know I'm guilty of that too I was checking to see what was going on with Facebook and you were talking about how the first quarter was a snooze fest and all that right, stuff right 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 and nobody can create or help get involved in some kind of conversation I mean seriously nothing I don't get it I well I think and that's the biggest thing I took away from it was. There have been just scads of research about the number of devices that people now have in their hands while they watch television. And in, you know, you can't ask for a more focused and ready audience to do other things than while you're at the Super Bowl, right? And so the opportunity to test this and to get things going with a second screen or second and third screen for a brand is just so ripe. I, it, it really surprises me that more of them didn't take advantage of it. So before we move on, I have, I have two, my two favorite things that I want to talk about from the Super Bowl. What were you, t- or what were your favorite things or favorite commercial? Did you have one favorite, favorite commercial yeah. was the funny enough. It was the, it was the two that we kind of not made fun of, but we, we said we're the new kids on the block. One was the Mophie commercial, which only aired toward the end of the, I think it was the, was end that of the, the one with God quarter? Yes, loved, <laughs> that was loved that. But again, no, no real call to action or no payoff. Um, and then the Wix, yeah, I love the Wix. I love the Wix commercial. Um, I thought that was, I thought that was really good. So the, as well. the funniest one that I loved, and I don't know if it was just me, but the Pete Rose in the Hall commercial cracked me oh, up. That, <laughs> well, that's a, yeah, that's a good and 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 speaking of sports, the the or, or not sports, but the funny, uh, the Snickers one with the Brady Bunch oh, was also absolutely. really, really good. That, I think I missed that. I saw it beforehand, but I missed that at the time because the DirecTV went out and I had to go get some contraption that we taped together. We taped a mop, a broom, <laughs> and a, something else together so that I could stick it out the window and get the snow off, off of the satellite dish. Nice. It was so funny. And then the kids are just like, it's working oh, now. No. So oh, that was at no. the end of the first quarter. Because I came down and the first quarter was over. I'm like, what happened? Like That was that was quick. But but hands down, the winner of the Super Bowl was Katy Perry, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, well, you would say that, well, right? You know, of course, because she's your favorite. Of course, the history between you two. I know. 
Um, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's a good and, halftime show. Yeah, it was a good and, then, halftime well, show. and then you, I know you mentioned this, but my uh, my son said, "Who is that?" And I said, "That's Missy Misdemeanor Elliot." How do you right? You know, I'm like, of course. oh, that's that's right. She's been on hiatus for a while, so nobody. Knew. Oh well, a while, yeah. I mean, and then all the tweets of the kids going, "Hey, you know that Katy Perry's going to make that Missy Elliot somebody." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Wait a minute, hold exactly. on here. Oh, good. Stuff. All right, moving on. Our next story comes to us courtesy of my hometown paper, The Hollywood Reporter. And the headline here, Snapchat is going to create its own series. Hat tip, by the way, here to Josh Nason, um, who gave us this story. Yep, thank you, Josh. Um, And Snapchat is making a web series. They're creating some original content here. So uh, the name of the new show is going to be called Literally Can't Even – um, yeah, I'm just going to let that one sit there. Um, comes from the writers Sasha Spielberg and Emily Goldwyn, which again, the daughters of Steven Spielberg and John Goldwyn, respectively. So this is kind of like the, this is the Hollywood mogul version of the lemonade stand where you let the little kids that's sort of good, have their own really little business it, out on the street. Anyway, the series stars the friends and writing partners as quote-unquote comedic versions of themselves, which I'm not sure what the alternative of that is, but all right, we'll just go with it. Anyway, so they're making this new series on Snapchat. It's going to premiere. Um, it actually did premiere on Saturday. And uh, – the interesting thing here is, is that they're going to keep with the conceit of Snapchat where the new episodes will debut every Saturday but will disappear after 24 hours later. So, um, And it's going to be a look into their lives and all this kind of stuff. And it's, I guess the really the, the interesting thing here is here you've got a web platform you know, that's going to certainly – it is what the kids are dancing to these days and they're creating an – their own sort of channel, you know, so yet again, here we go with, you know, we talked about Amazon, we've talked about Facebook, we've talked about Twitter and LinkedIn, and here we go, Snapchat creating its own narrative, creative content to draw in users to their channel. What did you think? I Well, first of all, I love the fact that it disappears in 24 hours. That's so... It's cute. It's so in it's cute. Well, it yeah. should, right? It's cute. It should. Yeah, I mean, that's... Ab- absolutely. If you advertise on there, that'll disappear. Any of the content on there is... Dis- so, I mean, you can't leave it on there. It would totally go against the, the whole idea of right. Snapchat. Right. You know, what's interesting, I think that it helps them because they're a younger company and they don't have these culture barriers in front of them to think that... Because they actually say that it's weird. They found, found it was weird... Not to have their own voice, not to tell their own story. I just thought that was interesting that the, yeah. the director's talking about that for, for Snapchat, where if you are, let's say it was a 50-year-old company, I don't think you'd ever hear that. It was weird that we don't have our own point of view or we're not telling our story. We're not hearing that enough. So I like the fact that younger companies, startups, uh, web 3.0 companies, whatever you want to call them, actually feel like they, they should have a story and they should tell it and they should tell it well. And maybe this is part of what Snapchat's trying to do. I don't know if this is, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't know if it's going to help. I, I just like the fact that they they really see that, look, all this content is going on in Snapchat, and they're not involved in it at all. They're just the distribution mechanism. So they're saying, well, exactly. maybe we should be part of that. And I think that if more more companies should look at their marketing and say, huh, do we have a story? Are we telling a good story? Are we adding value here? When we're not talking about our products and services, I don't think enough companies are doing that. I'm just glad Snapchat is. Well, it's it's it, it is the definition 
of a content marketing approach, right? They are creating value separate and discrete from the product and service that they offer in order to tell a story and add value to the customer's life. And so, you know, you can argue how much value they're adding with this particular platform, but it, it it's a great experiment. It costs them, I got to imagine, very little. The other thing that I love about this is that the show is going to be five minutes per episode. So it's built for mobile. It's built for that uh, that generation. I, I think, you know, I mean, assuming the show is any good. I think it could be really the the the, the door opener for a lot of so, you know for a lot of different types of episodes and and or or, or series like this. I totally agree with that. So, it, what's interesting? I don't know why I just thought of this, but Pamela Muldoon, who runs our podcast network, as you know, her and I had when I was out in L.A. for the Nam show, we were having a discussion, and she was she's been talking with you know the folks at the Nerdist and the other platforms, and just seeing what's going on in the industry. And she said, what's interesting about podcasts is it's really, really similar to radio. It's sort of morphed into the where, you know, you would have the, you know, one, one podcaster do the show. And this was 10 years ago and they would get grow an audience. Now you've got these podcast networks that are filling in time slots through not, I mean, not almost like virtual time slots, but they're looking at it as, okay, we need some programming in this area. Let's go out, let's get some talent and let's slot it here. So it's very similar to what happened at NBC, ABC, CBS, what's happening on the radio, where you're looking at, okay, well, we need to fill this area of our story, so we're going to fill it with this story or this expert. And I think you're going to see the same thing with this kind of thing where you have Snapchat. Let's say that this is successful. What are you going to see? You're going to say, okay, we need a story uh, platform around this topic and this topic and this. And so they'll have four or five or six, or maybe they'll have one every day that talks about something different. And I just think that that was an interesting conversation where these social platforms that we think are, oh, social media, it's different. It's really not that different. <laughs> They're just, it's not. They, it's really morphing into very traditional publishing platforms. And I think that means it's an opportunity because you can really become a little bit more formulaic with how you choose, pick and choose the type of stories you want to tell. So. Well, I mean, this is, I mean, it's been said a gajillion times, right, about how brands need to look and operate more like media companies. This is, this, that's it, right? I mean, that's exactly what you're doing is you're, you're programming the content in your brand as you would, as a media company would. And, and I think that's, that's only going to increase. And I think you're exactly right. So hats off to them. Yeah. I hope it, uh, hats off to them. Regardless yeah, of it succeeds to them for or the not, experiment. You know yeah. For the experiment. Yeah, right. You got it. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, and the worst case scenario, it is a lemonade stand in front of the house and <laughs> it goes that. Well, it, yeah, goes the good news is it's only going to be up for 24 hours anyway. So yeah, how right. bad could you know. it be? Yay. It's so nice. You sold some content, little girl. Okay. All right. Moving on to our next story comes to us from Digiday. And I, you're going to have to remind me because it feels like I've we've talked about this before. But it, I checked all the dates of the relevant linked articles, and it seems I to think it's be just new. Every media company, it's just it's yeah, just right. The same thing over and so, over again. Anyways, go so ahead. the headline is Condé Nast enlists journalists to create ads. And a hat tip here to Katie Carroll, who contacted us through LinkedIn um, and gave us the the pointer on this story, and a really good one. Um, again, even though it feels a little deja vu, so Condé. Nast, the publisher of, of course, the magazines of Vogue and GQ and all of that, it says it's going to start using its editorial staff to write ad copy as part of the creation of a new branded content arm, 
which that's what I really had. I thought we had covered that part, but apparently that's new too. Um, and basically, it has, you know, incited the the usual suspects to come up in arms about you know journalistic uh, ethics ethics and and how what's going on here and. Basically, a media critic has come out and said that Condé Nast is endangering its brands by mixing the two forms, an editorial, and it might be okay for fashion magazines, but for New Yorker and Vanity Fair, this is not going to fly. So, what do, I mean, is this, again, much ado about nothing? What are we, what are we really talking I, about here, Joe? It's, I think they're just missing the point. It's always yeah. – they always – you know, <laughs> it's always – how many times have we talked about this? I know. And it's It's – it, the church and state thing we always hear, right? Because that's in the tweets in this article on Digiday. They're all everybody's like, "Oh, it's church and state, and churches being subsumed subsumed by state, and all that kind of stuff." That I don't think is the issue. Here's the issue: is that it's two very different things you're talking about here. Yes, they're journalists, but if you are a journalist working on behalf of a brand, you have to understand the marketing objectives behind what the brand is trying to do. You have to do that. If you are a journalist working on behalf of the media brand, you need to understand the media goals behind that. Let's just say you're a journalist and you're writing for uh, Vogue magazine and you're creating content for Vogue. Your job is to create a really amazing experience for Vogue so that you keep those people engaged in that, subscribe to it. Uh, whatever the case is that Vogue is trying to keep people reading it so they can have more advertising against it, whatever. If you are creating content for a Vogue advertiser, that's a very different thing. You might be telling right. the same exact story, but it's a very different thing because you need to understand the marketing objectives. So that's and that's where I don't know. Maybe I read the article a couple of times, but I couldn't find it. It sounds like these are journalists that will be working on editorial for the magazine as well as working on editorial for advertisers. Is that correct? That's my yeah. understanding of it. I as think well. that's the yeah. wrong way to go. Not for the fact that it's church and state. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't. <laughs> that's not the concern here to me. Right. The concern here is, d does that journalist understand the goals of the advertiser? And now you're now you're uh, you don't have somebody owning. If you have if you have them owning, you have them owning two things. You have them say, okay, yeah, we want you to grow support for the magazine, but you also have to help these advertisers. I think that's that's trouble, and I think that's why you have Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and all the other Dow, you know, Dow Jones content, and you have Time Content Solutions, and you have all these different groups that have different departments. They have journalists in those groups working just on the marketing initiatives for their advertisers and sponsors, and I think that's a better way to do it because they know what they're trying to do. Every day they get up and say, we're working on behalf of the sponsor of the, of the client, just like an agency would, in order to accomplish their marketing objectives. But if I'm working the way Condé Nast is saying, I'm coming in the office and I don't know which way I'm going. Am I, right. am I for the brand? Am I for the advertiser? What? So that's that's the issue. I don't know if you see it that way, but that's the way I see it. Uh, no, I think and, and so what you're basically saying is that it's this it 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 ostensibly just is different people, right? So instead of saying half your job is to work for the brands and half your job is to write articles for the magazine, you're saying no. You're going to be completely – even though you're as good a journalist as could be writing for this magazine, your job is going to be to write for brands and your job That's is going to be to write do. for – That's what I would do. Yes. Somebody yeah. that has maybe yeah. a little bit more marketing. Yeah, somebody a little bit more marketing, of, marketing bend or maybe a little bit better at, at conversing with clients, let's say, right. or understanding them. Yes, put them on the, the branded content or native advertising side, whatever. But And then put the other ones on the other side. I don't – like what do they get rid of half of them and then just say no now you're now everybody's working everything i mean what 
That's I right. think you're going to dilute the brand, not because of the church and state thing, but because of focus. So that's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I still to this day don't see what the big deal is. I really don't. I mean, because this is certainly nothing new. You know, I mean, even if even if you just look at the 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 classic format of the talk show, right? Do we really think? Ellen, when she brings on a you know a guest star who is going to be you know who's plugging some movie and they end up talking about the movie, is you know is she somehow compromised in her integrity by talking about the the movie and and that this star is no I mean we've talked about the sort of spectrum between sort of serious journalism on news and stuff like that versus sort of pure entertainment and how it's easier and and all of that but I, I don't I just don't see how. This is that big a deal. I really don't, especially in the in the types of magazines that Condé Nast um, typically puts out. You know, so I and you can make a big argument about the New Yorker, but uh, you know, for Vogue and Vanity Fair and those types of those types of magazines, I just don't. I don't get the. Well, it takes. I, I don't get the 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 the, the tumult. But, but just to sum it up, I mean, you have. I mean, we both have done this, but you have experience because sometimes. I mean, you work on a lot of content that's just CMI content, but sometimes you work on white papers and reports just for sponsors. Of course, of course, and, I and, do. But you you can do that because you understand their objectives. You really talk to them. It's a different kind of doing versus doing something for yourself or for, or for something for CMI, right? I mean, is it? It's, oh, it, it's it's absolutely not everybody the same. can do it's that. A, you can't just exactly take a journalist the same or a writer and say you can do either side. You can't. Well, and let's be clear. I don't. I don't. I don't go to those 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 sponsors of white papers and say, "Tell me what I'm supposed to say," and then write that. I basically say, "Here's my opinion on the topic, and if you agree with this, then you may want to sponsor this white paper." And they do. That's that's the, they don't they don't have any editorial control over what I write, but we do talk and align sort of the point of view that I'm taking. And if they don't agree with my point of view, they don't sponsor mm-hmm. the paper. But that's the other thing and, to think about too is if you are a journalist for Vogue magazine and you write an article on behalf of uh, who would it be the the Gap, let's just say, and you're doing an right. article on behalf of the Gap, then I'm assuming that the Gap would have final control over that say on that or they're not going to support it so that's a different thing altogether that means you've got back and forth and that means it's not a pure journalistic message versus if they just said oh you're going to sponsor this and you have to basically you don't have any say in it well that's, that's a great not the point. way it and usually works right usually on custom content projects the client has the final say of approval right and it and 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 that comes to the spectrum right i mean because when you're talking about something like you know so for example if you watch uh, something like Entertainment Tonight, you'll you'll see a segment that they'll do on some jewel, you know, this jeweler's new awesome new design and and how they're you know all the Hollywood stars are wearing their jewelry and how you know the stores where you can go get this stuff and then they do a little fashion show and it's maybe a five minute segment on Entertainment Tonight or one of the entertainment shows, completely paid for. Right, it's it's that is native advertising at its finest, and the hosts are the ones doing the interviews, and it's presented like news, and all. And I guarantee you that the sponsor in that particular case has all kinds of control over what's going to be said, the way it's going to be scripted, the way that the things are going to be edited, the way the photography is shot, all that stuff. They've got that now. Cut all the way over to something where it, it's presented as thought leadership or facts or research or that sort of thing. It's a completely different story. 
And by the way, and that well, yeah. and by the way, for the halftime show last night, I'm pretty certain that there were people from Pepsi all along that production cycle. <laughs> yes, yeah, involved, yeah, involved yeah, in that, right? Because right. they were the right. sponsor. Yeah, thank. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. What do we got next? All right. Well, this actually is an interesting one uh, and, and something I think we can do relatively quickly because it comes to us from Ad Age and it is a, a really interesting trend that we're seeing now. And this is maybe the sort of canary in the coal mine, as it were. The Gap and Banana Republic, of course, owned by the same company, they're eliminating their global CMO roles. This comes to us from AdAge.com where they talk about how Gap, uh, Inc., is eliminating the CMO positions for Gap and Banana Republic brands effective immediately. And basically, the new role is going to be replaced by what they're calling a head of customer experience, a new position that's going to broaden the CMO roles to include e-commerce and is also going to report to the individual brand's global presidents. And it's interesting because it's basically the shifting role of what the CMO is in terms of the entirety of the customer experience. And this is something that I think is just we're starting to see the just the beginnings of and i think it's something that's really gonna gonna i think it's just really gonna expand over the next year or two what what did you think you know i it's interesting are we i mean this is i mean this is your book in a lot of in a lot of ways because yeah, everything's exactly going, right. revolving yeah. around this idea of experiences but I mean, whether they they say they're getting rid of the global cmo or they chase that's what the, I, mean, I don't care if they keep calling it the cmo they could have just said the cmo now includes e-commerce Right. And reports to the individual brand's global presidents. That would have been fine. They decided to change the title. I think the more important. I think they were changing. Yeah, they were changing deck chairs as well as sort of the, the, the what the deck chairs were for. So <laughs> I think they. Yeah. Well, I, I think yeah. the issue is, is that marketing runs through every department now. That's right. That's the That's issue. Exactly and right. I think that big brands like Gap are trying to figure this thing out. Just the same thing. I don't know if we talked about it on the last uh, last show, but there's one big financial company that created this huge, wonderful content platform. It's awesome. There's amazing content, but they are not allowed to have signups for email, for opt-in email, because that belongs to a different group, and they're not yep. allowed to do that. This is the kind of thing that <laughs> just drives you crazy, right? And this is the kind of thing yeah. that these companies like Gap are trying to figure this thing out because these people aren't talking to each other. They're not in the same group and we've got to get them together and focus on said customer experience. So yeah, yeah that's my take on yeah. it. I just think, I think we're yeah. going to see no, it's, more it's, of these every week. You're going to see another one of these drop. It's a fascinating thing. I mean, you know, I've done some work with some technology companies where the team that is in charge of creating the owned media platform, right? So the blog and the blog plus the social program and all that kind of stuff they're not allowed to actually capture any audience data. Yep. They, you know, other than maybe an email address, they're not allowed to capture any audience data because that's the job of the demand generation team and is and those two systems don't talk to each other and so the only thing that can be set up for the goal of that owned media team is to forward them traffic, which is, you know, that's not the optimal way you want to do. It. You want to build that audience profile and that audience data and have that connect over to the demand By generation the way, team. Real, so that, real you know, quick, anyway, this, right. yeah. this goes back to our first story. Why did we not see any email capture stuff in the Super Bowl oh, commercials? Yeah. It's just different departments, just yeah. different goals altogether. I, it's just, yep. I don't know. I, you, you think we'd be 
coming further into the process here, but it seems like we're, <laughs> we're almost at a standstill in a lot of cases. Right. But, I, you know, hats off to Gap for recognizing it. Yeah, it's a really interesting trend, I think, that, and one we're going to see. And the interesting thing is, is that, and I think also in the spirit of them t- changing deck chairs as well as what they're for, um, they're keeping the old Navy guys. So the old Navy CMO is staying, and they're also removing, and this is where I think they're actually making a mistake. They're actually replacing their creative director, um, and removing that role from the organization. And I think, you know, as a functional role, I think the creative director and creativity in the teams and content teams and that sort of thing, moving that in-house is starting to see, we're starting to see that a lot more. And, and I think ultimately you're going to see more of that too. So I think delegating all of the execution of marketing, including creativity, is not necessarily the right strategy. Well, the one thing, what's interesting is, is when we see these changes happening, so let's look at a company like a Gap. The reason why they're happening and we're seeing it at Gap is because they're not doing well financially, fiscally. So they're able to make some of these Fair changes, enough. right? They can do this. They have a case for it. Why we're not seeing this happen as swiftly in some of the other larger brands is because the economy's been so good and these yeah. companies are doing so well, it masks a lot of the problems that are going on right now. So when we do hit a little bit of an economic hiccup coming, boy, are you going to see some changes happen. Because That's they'll be able point. to say, oh, sales point. are down 5%. Here they come. So we're just yeah. we're only going to see these right now in struggling companies. But in, let's say, in a year to two years to three years, the economy is not as good, robust as it is now. Watch out. Yep. Yep, absolutely. All right. Our last story uh, of the show comes to us courtesy of Scott Monty, uh, also friend and family of CMI. Um, ScottMonty.com, his blog. And he thinks it's time, speaking of forward-leaning things, he thinks it's time to reassess real-time marketing. And this, he wrote this actually on the cusp, literally the day before the Super Bowl, and talks about how we really need to think through this idea of creating a real-time marketing, the Oreo dunk in the dark type of approach because he actually goes through this thing from from a pizza company, Tostino's, and how they basically, I guess due to human error, ran all their tweets for what was supposed to be the Super Bowl a day before the Super Bowl, which just is like, oh my gosh, what the heck happened there? And just it's it, you talk about you know epic fails here. That just seems like and anyway he goes through this idea of how to humanize and where we have really lost our way there in trying to automate things and and you know really needs to reassess the idea of real time marketing. What did you what did you think of this? What's interesting is I went to the Totino's, which is funny. You know they call the Totino's uh, person. It's I, I had to yes. read it. Pete, yeah. Pete Zero, yeah. but Pete, Pizza Roll. Pete, no, Pizza Roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pete Zero. I had to read yeah. it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah Pizza yeah. Roll. It's cute. It's, it was a it's cute very idea. Cute. I think this was done on purpose now because if you go to Totino's page, uh, Twitter, they haven't said anything. They actually, and he responded to Scott's. And Nick Westergaard's promotion of this post, the one we're talking about, and said, please pass yeah. it on. So I think that they did this to get attention. Really? I think they did. But we don't know. Nobody has said. Like, they haven't how, said. Well, pizza, basically, Pizza Roll hasn't said. He, look how he goofy we are. We actually we actually posted all this stuff a day before the Super Bowl? Nothing. They have, there's that nothing. Is, I mean, but even if you look at the comments that Scott's saying, and he says, I – says, um, uh, no, Scott Scott Stratton comments says this stuff just writes itself sometimes. Oi, and then right. Scott says indeed. And the more I reflect on it, the more I realize that this was planned. 
And if that's the case, they're doing damage to the entire marketing industry. And then he says, "Yes." He says, "Well, what do you expect from a pizza roll, anyways?" <laughs> but that now that I'm looking at it, and they haven't like nobody's gotten fired, nobody's come out on this, and they haven't apologized. They're just this is it. So I think. Well, maybe they, you just kind of roll with it, right? I get aha. See what I did there? Yeah, but this is you can't. Only, anyway. This is something you can only do once. It's almost like you know, nobody's been able to, able to find that lightning in a bottle like uh, like Oreo has. Uh, right. And since then, and you just, okay, hey, you're going to, you're going to do live tweeting the day before. Great. Um, now that's done. Now what do you do? That's it's right. just, it's just silly. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they, so when I first saw it, I was like, you, I'm like this, they, I can't believe it. I feel so bad for that social media person that they set all the automatic tweets to happen the day before. Now I'm thinking, okay, uh, the joke's on us, I guess. And I, I agree with Scott. No, it really isn't. The joke is not on us. That's a, it was. It, if, if that was the joke, it wasn't funny. No. <laughs> it's just like it's just dumb. It's just dumb. I'm throwing out my pizza rolls right now. Yeah. Done with you. As my as my friend from Texas used to say, that's just dumb. <laughs> that's just that's just dumb. I don't get it. All right. What about our sponsor this week, Joe? You know, we I hear we have some big we, news from CMI. We do absolutely. We we relegated this spot specifically to announce that the uh, content marketing awards are now open for dun, submission. Dun, dun. And what's funny is I have a plane going over my head as we speak right now. Just uh, all right. You know, how well, we that's time your music, that. folks. Isn't that something? You know, it's a big yeah. deal because uh, I don't know. If a lot of people know this, but Content Marketing Institute was co-run by CMI and McMurray TMG for years. It used to be called the Magnum Opus Award. It's been around since 2004. Uh, this this last year, CMI purchased the 100% rights to the CMAs. Now we own them. We've really revamped them. By the way, I love our partnership at McMurray TMG. They were great, but we're so excited to have them completely in-house and uh, we've changed. We had a, about 130 categories last year, Robert, and this year we've got 75 categories. We really revamped it. We feel really, really good about it. And so now the submissions are open. Uh, it is, you know, we had over 1,100 applicants last year. And, of course, you know we announced the, the big winners at Content Marketing World last year. We're going to do the same thing this year. So anyone listening to this, what I love about this, Robert, is – and I've, I get to see a lot of the samples, which is fantastic just to see all this amazing work. It doesn't matter the size of company. Any any right. size company can be innovative. We've seen it. Can be innovative. It, it doesn't matter. And that's why I love the awards because it's really – I think it evens the, the, uh, uh, the, the playing surface or whatever you want to call it, playing ground for this because of the fact that um, ideas can come from anywhere and it doesn't matter the budget. So they're yep. open, contentmarketingawards.com. Please check them out. Early bird goes until March 27th. Uh, I'm sorry, call for, yeah, call opens this week. Early birds until March 27th. Make sure you sign up, and then we'll be doing the big party at the Content Marketing World to, to talk about the big, big winners. So really excited yeah. to talk about Content Marketing Awards this time. Well, that is just awesome. That is awesome. And what a great sponsor. I love that. <laughs> That's CMI. That's CMI. They're doing some pretty they're, cool they're, work, aren't they? <laughs> they're doing some really, really great stuff. They just, uh, their they're, chief strategy officer, that guy knows what he's talking about. Their leadership. About. I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah oh, they need to go. Yeah. But everybody else is awesome. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for your favorite part of the show, our rants and rave section, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave on something that is giving us a 
little Pete Carroll or a little <laughs> bit of, t- of Bill Belichick. Um, and this week, because Joe has uh, the this old marketing, he's going first. Going so, first. Mr. Polizzi, what is your rant or rave this so week? So, I wanted to um, – this, this is a rant, and I actually put this rant into a post that launched today as, as we speak. So, February 2nd, as we're ah, recording We this. both did that. That's then. right. Isn't yeah. that something? We're just uh, – yeah. you know, the Super Bowl inspires us, and we have right. to. Um, this, this post was called, You Are Publishing Too Much and Failing. And I took a lot of the research uh, that we were doing at CMI and I put together, and you know I've been looking about this for, for my book, Content Inc. coming out and been looking at you know what really makes an exceptional content marketer, what separates the great from everyone else that's failing. And when right. I looked at the, the research, we found that those companies that were saying they're not successful or not, ha- not effective at content marketing, they published content using an average of 12 tactics. Think about that for a second, right? Wow. So these are yeah. these are companies that are not successful, not feeling successful. They're not seeing the uh, the reaping the rewards of all the resources and money they're putting behind their content mark. So they could be doing podcasts and videos and ebooks and white papers and and whatever, right? I'm just like, are you kidding me? So right. then I start doing this analysis and I've been doing this analysis for a while and what we really found was that the great not not only the great content marketers or great mar- you know great brands that are doing exceptional content marketing but also the greatest media companies of all time they sort of have this prescription to it that they publish on one channel for the most part consistently over time they build an audience on that channel and then they diversify right. yep and what most brands do they don't do that but most brands just are throwing up all over every channel that they can find and thinking more is better. And so that's sort of my rant against those people to say, look, look at the, the great publishing and the great media companies of our time and look at how they become successful. And it's by focusing on owning a channel and owning a content niche, doing it really well, building a loyal audience over time, and then diversifying. Yeah. And that seems over and over in the research, Robert, and every one of the uh, the interviews we do for the book, it seems like that's the pattern. Only a very few exceptions to that. Almost everything is one to two years of consistent podcasts or videos or blog posts or whatever the case is. They build a loyal audience and then they diversify. And I think most brands well, that are doing is, it I mean, yeah, it takes a, it's, oh, you know, get, get me off on a rant on this. I mean, it's so, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. okay. You can do it. It's rants it and is, raves. It, <laughs> it is such an important point because look, no media company in the world ever went, you know, how can we build a big audience in film? Yeah. How how do we actually build a big TV audience? No, they build a story that goes out across a channel, build an audience for that, and build out from there. And that's the exact opposite of what we do as marketers, right? We think, let's put all this content, just sort of spread it all over the channels that are out there, because why? Well, because they're popular. And then when we actually do get a little bit of traction across all of them, we spend the rest of our lives trying to maintain that tiny little audience in that one little room across a million different channels. And instead, where it gets successful, and it's just proven time and time and time again, is where the company focuses in, delivers a great experience on a channel of their own choosing, usually – you know, usually it's we are we choose to make this a website. We choose to make this a magazine. We choose to make this an email program. We choose to make this a webinar program. They build that audience and then they build around that. 
and that's to me it, it's it's you know it's that whole idea that we talk about in in in, in at conferences and at, at workshops is that it's it's story first media second right so deliver the great value the great story and then figure out where you want to aggregate that audience and then build around that and it's it's just that simple it's you know that's the the scary thing i was on an interview this morning and we were talking about this seems so simple we tend to we complicate yes. it so much as marketers. It can be simple. The, the challenge is it takes it's, patience. And, and that's what it really right. does. And real work patience, and focus. It and it works. actually, I mean, this gets, I mean, it's a nice segue into my rant, but it's, it's, it, oh, it yeah, takes focus and it takes, it, it takes, it takes actually doing it, right? It actually takes, you know, actually working on that, right? Not just, well, not well, just, you know, throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks, but actually working at it. A, a documented, codified, understood strategy that people, that people work on. You know, and that's you know. Well, that's why I started the I started the and this is in the post that I wrote and I started with this Michael Porter quote, which is the essence of strategy. What is not to do what not exactly? To do. Such a great Michael. Yeah, and I yeah. love that. I think about it all yeah. the time, and I think that more marketers need to do that. But I want to hear about. Well, your here we go. So this in the spirit of the Super Bowl, and and I, you know, I started watching this last night because the first thing that caught my eye was the nationwide ad, and so this is making all of the rounds today. Um, as and fascinatingly, what nobody's talking about is the fact that they actually had two ads, which we'll get to in just a second. But the one that's getting all of the attention is the one that was depressing. And everybody's calling it an epic fail, and it's, oh, my gosh, they completely screwed it up, and it's horrible. And and, and I actually did write a post on this. I wrote mine on LinkedIn um, this morning because I just had to get it out of my system. And the title of my post is basically the nationwide ad was not an epic fail, at least not yet. And so basically as all the judgments come in – and they made the front page of the USA Today uh, website today, this ad. Ouch. Yeah, it's huge, right? And they got such a backlash across social media for this. If you didn't see the ad, by the way, for if you were under a rock or something, basically the ad is uh, – it's the only content marketing ad that I really saw from any major large brand last night during the Super Bowl. And the ad was basically for this site that they've created. Uh, which is called Make Safe Happen, which is an initiative they have about making your home safer for your little kids. And so they have all kinds of different articles there. So the article was – or the, the ad wasn't actually for Nationwide Insurance as much as it was for this website. So cool. Yay, a content marketing approach. Love it. They're promoting content, not the actual product and service. But love it as an approach. Okay. The ad is depressing because it opens up with this little kid who's going to get cooties from girls. He's going to have this awesome life. He's going to go you know, fly high. He's going to sail a boat. He's going to do all these things. But eh, no, he can't do it because he died. He actually tells the camera, I died in an unfortunate accident, and then they show a picture of a – bathtub overflowing which is you know immediately depressing and so they got such a backlash against the ad that the company came out last night and said look our sole purpose of this message was to start a conversation not sell insurance yay again content marketing right that's the interesting thing but what's getting lost in all of that is i think that they missed an opportunity here and i basically came up with three things that i think really identified where I love what they did, I love that they actually did it, and then they failed to actually execute it in a way that could have really optimized it. And the three things that I came up with were, one, they didn't go all the way. In other words, 
by and you got to imagine that the ad agency there was all kinds of conversation about how much branded content do we make and you know how much do we brand this nationwide you know there was probably arguments and debates and all this well whoever was arguing for not a lot of nationwide lost that bet because it was all kinds of nationwide insurance branding there instead of a content brand like we talked about make safe happen make, make it an ad happen. for make yeah. safe happen if they really wanted this to be about a conversation then Instead of the failure of a branded opportunity in a Super Bowl commercial, make it about that. Make it about the website. Um, and by the way, by focusing it so much on nationwide, they completely lost the other opportunity, which was in a really ironic thing: the whole Mindy Kaling uh, invisible commercial for themselves, which of course is getting no press. They made that commercial invisible by making it so branded toward nationwide. The second thing is the payoff isn't there. If you go to make safe happen. The website, it's beautiful. It's very pretty, but it's not a usable resource for parents. It's just a list of articles and what looks like it's been force-fed down the throat of a YouTube or a, a, a WordPress template. And so it just feels very forced and very it's not very usable. It's very pretty. It's nice experience, but it's not a useful list of or a, a resource of articles. It's just like this, like a PSA almost. It's just not very useful it's you know it, as as a way to use it as a valuable resource for parents plus and maybe even more importantly there's no conversation there you can't you can't comment on anything you can't subscribe really you can't there's no way to have a conversation about the thing that they quote unquote want you to have a conversation about you know what's so interesting is and you and I talked about this before the ad with the no more.org yeah Right, where the nine one one call that was a real yeah exactly. scenario that was they were she was ordering a pizza that was powerful. I actually had to watch that again because I missed part yeah. of it. Yeah, and that's been out for a yeah, while. Yeah, wife, and that and that yeah, my wife says you got to watch that again, and I watched it. And you were you and I were right. It's it's no more dot org. It's a nonprofit. It's very specific. They tell you what to do, and I think that make safe happen seems like the same kind of idea, but somewhere along the line it got diverted into. They didn't get the thing where they need to, re- to really remove. That's the right, and that and that's my last piece, which is the tone, right? Which where I say, yeah. okay, like I care less that they took sort of a strong, depressing tone here than the rest of the world does. Although, interestingly, that's the story rather than sort of the the message behind the story, and that's the key. Is that what they did was they made the classic disconnect between storytelling and an ad. There's no story payoff here. When you go to a great film, you're going to feel cheated. If, you do, if the physics of the story are violated, you feel completely cheated. So if you're going to inspire me with ways to be safe, inspire being the right word there, and you want me to have a conversation about safety, we want to have that con- – we, we need to want to have that conversation. Just as an example of this, if the boy had almost died instead – well, now we want to talk about what might have happened to that boy or what could happen to that boy instead of grieving for what actually did was the fact that he died. And that's the difference. I think the real thing that failed here was a campaign-minded, ad-minded, let's get the news cycle for 24 hours or hopefully a little longer, won the day instead of what are we creating a value to subscribers over time. And that's the real difference here, and that's my rant. It's a good one. It's a good rant. Nice job. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Joe. I, thank you, Joe. You know what? It's so close, that. too. They really are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, it, but that's why this stuff is tough. You've got you've to make sure you um, – boy, keep that, keep that sales out of it. They should have just – it could have been underwritten by Nationwide, but you didn't have to, to force that down them. So. 
They didn't even need to didn't say that to in say the Super Bowl ad. I know, but the, didn't need to say it at said, all. If I'm paying four point five million dollars for an ad, I better exactly get me a right. logo impression or two. That's it. That's exactly right, and that's what ha- and that's what happens is is that now all of a sudden instead of becoming a great commercial to start. I mean, I'm taking it them at their word that that's really what they want to do is start a conversation. And great. I'm glad they do. But start yeah. the conversation. Don't make it about yeah. yourself, right? You, you and then, walk and in then going, help me, you know, help right. me besides downloading the, and that's, this is, you know, I don't want to get up, you know, talk too much about this, but the call to action on the make safe site is looks like to get the app, but as part of the app, you can select products. That's a that's right. a problem. That you're mixing way too. You're mixing your mission of this make safe happen with nationwide's goals way way too much. In my opinion, I'd keep it out entirely. I totally get it. So I, I I totally it. All right, what's what's coming up for you? Oh, we have this, this old marketing. marketing. Yeah, real quick. Holy, I, this old yeah, marketing. Re- this old marketing. Real quick, and I thought this was interesting because we're going through a lot of the old content marketing awards winners and. And samples, we've got <laughs> we had a truckload delivered to the office <laughs> a couple <laughs> weeks ago with all the samples for the last like decade, and we've been going through all of them. I thought this was interesting because I'm a big fan of Patagonia, and when Patagonia on their site they talk about you know here's where we do well in buying our products and here's where we don't do so well, and they basically come right out and say you know we need to do better in this area, and they're they're trying to create this authenticity around we need to be more responsible as a as an enterprise and i picked this um uh corporate responsibility summary report up this is from dell so not patagonia but dell but i thought it was interesting because they really tried to take an honest look at what they're doing and saying look we're doing this well we're doing this better we need to do better in these areas and i hadn't seen this before put quite in this way so they send it out annually in print to looks like to their investors so the investors get this and they look at and they say, look, here's all the stuff we're doing globally. Um, here's the number of children we're helping in this community and doing this and doing that. We need more help in this area. And I just thought it was very authentic. It was very – it's not over the top. It wasn't we're awesome and here's all the great stuff we're doing. It's just an honest portrayal of here are these initiatives that make Dell part of what it is. And we're, we aspire to be this way. And so they have all these things on the environment and they tell these stories uh, around what the materials that they're using and how they are using need to use better materials and managing their emissions and where they can do better at it. And I just thought it was – just a nice way to go about it and let your investors and stakeholders know what you're trying to do without being, hey, we're awesome. Look at all this great stuff that we're doing. So that's the yep. Dell Corporate Responsibility Summary Report. They send it out every year. It's really pretty, by the way. And it's oh, yeah. see, that's – I think you – and here's the sad thing. I think you probably told more people at Dell about that than Dell told their own people about that just in that last, you know, five minutes, right? I, I, they, they're they not terribly good at sharing their own great, awesome well, they content. Could, I would, you know what? I would imagine that they are, they have this only in this form, this printed form that I'm holding. I don't know. I mean, they yeah. have, a, they have a section of the website. It says dell.com slash powering the possible. So I'll have to check that out. I mean, the report is, you know, printed with soy ink, uh, rainforest alliance cool. certified, all that kind of stuff. So you know, you could eat it. You could, you could eat that magazine. <laughs> you could you could put it in a pipe you, and smoke it. You could eat it. <laughs> okay, I think we're done now. <laughs> all right, where are you going this week? Are you home this week? No, I'm actually uh, in two days. I I do um, 
I'm working with the folks at Euclid Chemical, and they have I'm going heading out to Concrete World in Las Vegas. Believe it or not, oh, right yeah, I've on. never been to Concrete World, but I hear it's solid. I hear, I hear. it's, it's solid a solid event. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I'm doing an executive session on um, sales enablement and uh, and content marketing. Nice. So that'll be that'll be fun. I always enjoy being in in Vegas, but while I'm doing it, I need to be working on on the book. And uh, as I know, you're putting yours to bed, so I'm just I'm just yeah, getting started exactly. on mine. You're putting yours to bed, so I wish I was in my your position. But what else you what else you got yeah. going on this week? Uh, this week it's all client stuff. So I'm I'm heads down working on client stuff. Um, had a big week last week, um, and uh, uh, this week it's all that. And then next week I'm I'm headed out to after we record the show. I'll be headed off to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Milwaukee to speak at the BMA event out in Milwaukee. Very much looking forward to that. Sweet. There we go. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose signing off. And, you know, keep those show ideas coming it's so so helpful thank you so much to all those who submitted show ideas um do it at hashtag this old marketing if you're doing it on social media so we can follow it um you know you can send an email this old marketing at contentinstitute.com and if you like this episode number 64 do consider subscribing on itunes or stitcher.com all the links of the stuff that we talked about are available at this old marketing.com in our show notes and do tune in next week where we're going to hear joe say what? Remember, folks, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. show is part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.